Heavenly Father, please speak. When Satan speaks, he speaks lies. You speak, you give us truth. When Satan speaks, people die. When you speak, we live. Oh, Lord, would you please speak? We want to live to the glory of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. The devil's been talking. And I wonder which of these scenarios comes close to describing your scenario, your life. Has it been around a laptop? Has it been around a personal device? Has it been over a bag of chips? The devil's been talking. He's going to talk, but are we going to listen? That's the real question. Where have you been tempted lately? Where have you been listening? Have Have you been tempted to fudge the truth? Have you been tempted to Let your eyes see something your eyes have no business seeing. Have you been tempted to cheat? You know, we live in a university community. There's 40,000 students on one campus and what, 12, over 12,000 in another campus. So between 52,000 students, I wonder if there's been at least one that's been tempted to plagiarize this week. I mean, just do a cut and paste job. I wonder. Maybe you've been tempted to retaliate. Someone said something to you you didn't like and you just want to get back. Where have you been tempted? The devil's been talking. Have you been listening? Please know that whatever situation describes yours, it didn't happen by chance. It didn't. Rather, it came about because of a carefully orchestrated and strategically placed temptation by a real enemy who is a leader who leads dominions and principalities and powers whose sole purpose is to wreck your life and wreck your marriage and wreck this church What I'm trying to say is that there are are spiritual assassins afoot and, and you're a target. One of my sons has a screensaver. It's uh, my son whose initials are Brandon. And (laughs) so you open up his laptop and this screensaver, this message greets you in the morning. It's a message that says, good morning, I see the assassins have failed. And some of us are here today and we've weathered, you know, a spiritual assassins. 
And some of us are here today and we feel like we've taken some bullets, or in this case, as Paul would put it in Ephesians 6, some fiery darts. This morning I want us to consider the topic of temptation. I want to do that this morning and then for the next three Sundays leading up to Easter Sunday. And I want us to think about our leader and how he responded to temptation, Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the New Testament Gospel of Matthew. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. You'll find that on page 682 of uh, your church Bibles there in the pouch in front of you. And I want to read, uh, actually beginning with uh, Jesus' baptism, beginning in chapter 3, verse 16, all the way to chapter 4, verse 11. You'll find this passage uh, on your outlines, and it's on page 682 of your church Bibles. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this... I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And angels came and attended him. And this is God's word. And... What I want us to see as we look at these verses is just this big idea, this main lesson. It's a lesson that comes to us from the Hebrew writer. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 is the source of the main lesson here. Hebrews 2, 18 uh, best, is the best commentary I've found on these verses that I've read. And here's basically what Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says. It's the big idea. It's what I want you to remember if you don't remember anything else. Because Christ suffered when tempted. Because Christ suffered when tempted. And that tells us a little bit about the nature of temptation. 
It involves suffering. It involves uh, being uncomfortable. It involves uh, pain. Because Christ suffered when tempted, He can help us. He can aid us. He can support us. He is there for us when we are tempted. That's the lesson. That's what we see in these verses. Because Christ suffered when He was tempted, He can help us when we are tempted. Now, what I want to do in the time that remains is uh, just simply unpack that by answering three questions. And the first question is this, what is temptation? Biblically speaking, what are we talking about uh, uh, when we're using this word temptation? What is that? That's the very first question that I want us to consider. The second question is this, why would God allow his son to be tempted? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, Jesus himself prays in the Lord's Prayer, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, wait a minute. That's a little confusing. Because clearly God allowed his son to be tempted. But why? Why does God allow Jesus to be tempted? And the third question is this. How can Jesus help us when we're tempted? See, because Christ suffered when he was tempted, he can help us when we, how, well, how? What does that look like? That's where we're going this morning. What is temptation? Why did God allow his son to be tempted? And thirdly, um, how does Jesus help us when we're tempted? Let's take question number one. What is temptation? What is temptation? Well, let me first tell you what it's not, all right? Temptation is not sin. It's not. And I think it's important to... Uh, reiterate this because I wonder how many of us uh, uh, really you know struggle with okay guilt when we're facing a season of temptation but if if temptation is the same as sin then Jesus is the biggest sinner who ever lived but clearly clearly the scripture says that he was tempted in every way but was without sin So you see, there's a clear difference between temptation and succumbing to temptation in sin. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. So he he was actually led into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted. And Mark's gospel summarizes all that we read in Matthew in two pretty compact economical verses where it says at once the spirit sent him out into the desert and then it says and he was in the desert or he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by satan and so when you look at matthew and mark and luke and then you kind of uh, develop a composite picture uh, of uh, the three gospel writers accounts of the temptation uh, you know i'd always thought that jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and then after that after that then at the end of that he was tempted with, with three temptations and really what mark is telling us is that during the entire period of time during the entire 40 days and 40 nights jesus christ experienced temptation and then at the conclusion there were three significant temptations which Matthew records. It's kind of like Jesus took quizzes and tests all throughout the semester, and then at the end, there were three finals. 
and they were huge. So, you know, has Jesus gone astray? Of course not. No. And if you're experiencing an intense season of temptation, I don't think you've gone astray either. Uh, You see, it's the people who are passionately pursuing Christ. They're the ones who are going to experience temptation. Why, the lukewarm believers, they know where the lazy boy recliners are. They know where the cushions are. There's, there's, There's no, that's no challenge, you know. But someone who is white hot after God, someone who is striving to love God with all of their hearts and all of their soul and all of their mind and all of their strength, those of us who are passionately pursuing Christ, we're the ones who are going to be targeted by the enemy who wants to wreck your life. So please, please, as your pastor, I don't want you to feel guilty over being tempted as if, you know, you say if I were somehow more mature or more spiritual, I wouldn't have to deal with this struggle. No, it's because you are pursuing Christ that this season of temptation has come upon you. So, temptation in itself is not sin. Okay? Get it? Good. (laughs) Well, then what is it? Simply put, temptation is a trap. It is a carefully placed and attractively decorated trap in which Satan, your committed enemy, invites you to defy the will of God. Temptation is a trap. Temptation is a door propped open by the devil himself in which he warmly invites you to enter that door And it's a trap door. And in entering that door, you commit treason against the God of this universe. Temptation's a trap. It's a sting. It's a con. It's a scam. Someone described temptation as an exit ramp, which is luring you away from the road that God wants you to be on. You're on this road, and God has called you to be on this road, and here you have this exit ramp, and you think, well, if I can just take that exit ramp, well, then it'll be a shortcut, and and you get off on that exit ramp, and have you ever been on the interstate, and you've taken an exit ramp, and then after you're already on the ramp and off the main road, you realize there's no on-ramp. You can't get back on, and then you try to find your way back on, and you end up getting lost, and that's what we're talking about here. Spiritually speaking, Satan is offering this exit ramp, and it's a trap, and you take that, and and, and I'll tell you the temptation, you see, the temptation is we say to ourselves, well, I can always repent. I can always ask for forgiveness, because you know it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. And we get off on that exit ramp and then we get there and then we find, we we try to find our way back on, but we can't find our way back on. And sometimes we don't want to find our way back on. And we have fallen into Satan's trap. A trap in which we're warmly invited by a committed foe to commit treason 
against the God of this universe, to defy the will of God. Temptation is a trap. And it doesn't have to be over pornography. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be uh, um, uh, over um, alcohol or narcotics. doesn't. It can be over bread. Bread. Why bread? Why, why wasn't Jesus tempted by the, the beautiful figure of a woman? Why not that? Why bread? What's wrong with bread? He's hungry. He's been fasting 40 days, 40 nights. Bread. Jesus... You're going to die if you don't eat. You must eat. Eat. You've got a physical body. Eat. The devil's talking. You need to end. And so why couldn't Jesus just do the miracle and alleviate hunger in his life, but also he could alleviate world hunger? Could Jesus not have alleviated world hunger right there in the desert, in the wilderness? No one would ever have, we wouldn't have to have a food pantry, we wouldn't have to have any kind of, he could have ended it right there. What's wrong with bread? And then what's wrong with, what's wrong with doing a Peter Pan off the temple, huh? I mean, come on, who listens to sermons anyway? Oh, Jesus, you do that Peter Pan off the temple and the angels rush and they rescue you and people will be shocked into belief. Oh, what's wrong with that? And what's wrong with ruling the world anyway? Somebody's got to. Jesus, why not you? Why not you? I mean, is there not enough corruption in Rome? Is there not enough slavery in Rome? Are there not enough dirty politicians in Rome that Jesus, you just can't take over? You could be, we wouldn't need, you could be the Department of Defense. You could be the Department of Trade. We could be a government of one. What's wrong with that? No bureaucracy, no elections. One king makes a decision. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? And what we see behind each of those temptations in the gospel is a common trap. You know what the trap is, don't you? Satan is warmly inviting Jesus to a cross-free crown. He's inviting Jesus to be a savior without having to suffer. And church family, Satan will do anything to keep you from suffering on earth so that one day you will suffer with him in hell. Several years ago, a national public radio, NPR, did a program called Killing with Kindness. And it's a story about how a slaughterhouse processes beef. It seems that researchers discovered that when cattle experience high anxiety or stress, they produce a hormone that lowers the quality of beef. And so when the cattle are trucked into this slaughterhouse, why, they're not prodded and poked they go down this very gentle sloping ramp it's very quiet there's this very calming 
very calming environment. And these cattle pass through what's called a squeeze chute. And it's a particular device that was created to mimic a uh, 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 mother cow's nuzzling touch. And they go down and through this squeeze chute. And then no sharp turns at all. Rather, they just kind of take a nice, smooth, curving path that just gives these cattle the sensation of going home like they've always gone every day in their lives. And, and in fact, it's so peaceful and, and so uh, just docile that the, the cattle don't even notice when their hooves are lifted off the ground. You see this conveyor belt has slipped itself underneath the cattle and it just lifts them up off the ground. And there they are smoothly rounding that turn. And then in the twinkling of an eye, a surgically meant instrument implies a blunt right between their eyes and it's over. And they're not, it happens so fast, there's no alarm. One minute, they're cattle. And the next minute, they're your ribeye. <laughs> and you know what the machine's called? The stairway to heaven. Satan has that kind of machine, only it doesn't go up, doesn't go up. Temptation's a trap, and you know sometimes, and it's true, Peter tells us that uh, temptation involves an enemy who is the devil who is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And there's this predator, prey, word picture. And that's true in some cases, but I would say more often than not, it's not a predator, prey, word picture. It's rather a sheep being led to slaughter. And Jesus Christ told the parable of the shepherd who was willing to leave the ninety-nine to go after the one. And what you must know is that there's more than one shepherd who's willing to go after you. And there's a particular shepherd that you don't want to be in his flock. Temptation's a trap. Can you see a trap when it's coming? Can you? Can you, can you sense that an ambush is about to occur? And are you able to protect yourself from the catastrophic future that's being concealed before you? Are you able to see a trap? I think we need, uh, I think we could use some wisdom from the old werewolf movies. I do. Remember the old Lon Chaney movies, the old werewolf character? He, what's he do when he sees that full moon coming? This character, he's dripping with sweat. He goes down in the basement, he chains himself, and he says to his friends, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, whatever you do, don't unshackle these chains. And, and don't unlock that door. Why? Because the full moon is coming. And that's a perfect metaphor for the Christian life. 
Because every one of us in here, uh, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to certain traps, certain sins. And we need the wisdom to be able to protect ourselves from ourselves. So do you know what your full moon is? Are you aware of it? And are you humble enough to ask for brothers and sisters in Christ to help you, help you through this trap? Temptation's not a sin. It's a trap. Well, I don't know if you've thought about this, but if that's the case, it leads to something that at least has confused me. And it concerns the second question. Why would God allow his son to be trapped? Why, why, Jesus prayed, lead us not into temptation. What's going on there? Well, there's an answer. And here it is. Temptation is not a sin. Temptation is a trap. And, and the Bible tells us that temptation is something else. A test. And here's what we need to remember. We need to remember that when the Bible talks about temptation, from Satan's perspective, temptation is a trap. From God's perspective, temptation, even the very same temptation is a test. A test. One scholar put it this way. Satan's temptation is God's test. And I'm thinking of a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament the book of Deuteronomy, when God's people were at the conclusion of their wilderness wandering years, Moses was just giving a a a review of their history, and he asked God's people to remember. Do you remember what all this has been about? Do you remember why you're in the wilderness in the first place? A test, Moses says. Deuteronomy 8.2 reads, Moses says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you. That's why they were there. In order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So from God's perspective, that's why temptation. From God's perspective, every temptation is a test. A test to see what's in your heart. Uh, a test to see if you will obey his commands. And then, um, while it's not on the screen, I, I just want you to, I want to continue on with Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, where it says, the Lord humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Wait a minute. So that's where Jesus got his response to Satan. He went all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. And so you see what's going on here in the temptations of Christ? Jesus Christ is in effect reliving and re-experiencing Israel's wandering years in the wilderness. Uh, this is why uh, the scripture says then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil Mark says that he was driven by the spirit that the Holy Spirit drove him into the, to the desert he drove him into the, 
to the wilderness. Why? To test him, to see what was in his heart. You're the Messiah. What kind of Messiah are you? What kind of son are you? And so Satan asks the questions. If you are the son of God, literally, in the original, uh, Satan, literally the original is, since you are the son of God, You see, Satan doesn't doubt who Jesus is. Of all people, Satan knows exactly who Jesus is. The question is, what kind of son are you? What kind of Messiah are you? What's in your heart? Are you willing to to commit yourself to your father's ways? And here's what we find. We find that Jesus Christ is the kind of Messiah who does for God's people what they cannot do for themselves. And that's why, that's why I began with uh, Jesus' baptism. Because it, really what we're seeing is a recreation, a reenactment of the nation of Israel. I'm thinking of when Moses said to Pharaoh, Israel is my son. Israel's my son. So then it's no surprise that we should hear in Matthew's gospel concerning the, what the father said of Jesus. This is my son. And just as Israel went through the baptismal waters of the Red Sea from this old kingdom inaugurating this new kingdom, so Jesus, the Son, goes through the baptismal waters of the Jordan River. Why was Jesus baptized for his own sins? No! He was baptized for my sins. He was baptized for the sins of God's people. And just as Israel was uh, driven into the wilderness, led into the wilderness for 40 years, so the Son is driven into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, each day corresponding to a year of Israel's history so that they might be tested to know what's in their heart. Jesus, see, I've always thought that, you know, I'd always thought that Jesus went to the wilderness on some sort of a retreat. You know, it's kind of a prayer retreat because he's on study break. Because he's got to get ready to write his series over the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. And so he's on this study break and he's on this retreat. And, you know, it's a dry climate. It's always sunny. He doesn't have to be in gray Illinois during the winter time. And so he's out here in the summer, sunny time, and, and, and writing the Sermon on the Mount. And then he gets rudely interrupted by the devil you know, who tempts him. And these are kind of like mock tests. And Jesus goes, you know, puts his pen and his sermon notes down and he quotes some scriptures and be off Satan and gets on with his sermon series and his book tour. I thought that's what that was about. It's a little more violent than that. It's a lot more violent than that. This, he's going in, Mark says, Mark chapter one says that in the desert, Jesus was with the wild animals. There's what? Why is it wild? Because there's something out there that can eat you. That's why. Jesus has gone into Satan's own backyard. That's what's happening. This isn't a retreat. This is D-Day. This is Normandy Beach. Jesus knows exactly what's facing him in the wilderness. And he's taking on the prince of darkness, the god of this world, And he did it for the sole purpose 
of destroying Satan. That's what Hebrews tells us. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus Christ entered the wilderness on a wild mission. It was a mission of destruction to destroy Satan. And that's why after this temptation, here in Matthew's narrative, in Matthew's gospel, every time, you just thought, you read the gospel of Matthew this week, every time we see a demon or the devil appear, the devil appears as a defeated foe. His head has been lopped off and his body is just thrashing about. Jesus Christ is there to destroy the devil. And Matthew 4, 11 says, then the devil left him. And Luke chapter 4 says, when the devil finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And you know when that was, don't you? It was in the garden. The opportune time came not in the wilderness, but in the garden. It was in the garden where our spiritual parents, Adam and Eve, forfeited their relationship with God. And it was in a garden where the Son of God was tested once again. And the test is simply this. It's the test that you and I have every time we are tempted. Is it going to be my will or is it going to be my Father's will? Jesus prayed, Father, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But but not my will. Thine be done. Thine be done. Jesus said in John 4, my will is, my, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Even if that meant surrendering his life. My life is nothing but to do the will of the Father. Even if it meant suffering. You see, you see Satan wants to keep you from suffering on earth so that one day you will suffer with him in hell. Jesus Christ is willing to suffer on earth so that you don't have to suffer in hell. You can be with him by grace through faith forever in heaven. That's why Hebrews 2.18 says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. That's our leader. Temptation is not a sin, it's a trap. And it's a test to see what's in your heart, to see if, you're, to see if it's going to be your will or the Father's will. And we worship one who has done for us what we're not able to do ourselves. And so we depend upon him and trust him. And we trust his help. And that takes us to our third question. How can Jesus help us? How can Jesus help us? Well, I think there's three ways. And the first is this. 
He helps us by being with us when we are tempted. You see, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, but the Spirit was with Jesus. And when you are tempted, you, you never take your test alone. Please know this. You never take your test alone. You may feel alone. Physically, you may be alone, but you never take your test alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. The second way is this. Jesus helps us because he has ta- whatever test you've taken, he's already taken. He's already taken that test. You never take a new test. You never take a test that Jesus hasn't already taken. That's what's behind Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Sympathize, sympathize, pathize, suffer, sim with, suffer with, to suffer with. We do not... We do not have a high priest who is unable to suffer with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. So whatever test you've taken, and you will be, you will be tested. You will be tested because Jesus was tested. You will be tested with consumption. You'll be tested to try to provide for yourself. You'll be, te- you'll, you'll be tested with protection to try to protect yourself. Or to manipulate, to want to manipulate God to protect you. And you will be tested to exalt yourself. Status. These are not new tests. Jesus has taken them. And then thirdly, thirdly, Jesus gives you the same answer book he had when he takes his test. I mean the exact same. The Hebrew Bible that you have in your hands is the same Hebrew Bible Jesus had. And it is no accident that Jesus Christ quoted the word of God when he was tempted. And it behooves us to learn. I say, I can't memorize. You can memorize. You can't. If it's one verse, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Cling to that verse when you're experiencing the pain and suffering of temptation. Not my will, but thine be done. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In order to know that verse when you are ambushed with a trap, you've got to know where that verse, you understand that that is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Do you know where Deuteronomy is in your Bible? You won't have time to figure that out once temptation hits you point blank range. You'll be scrambling, Deuter what? Deuter who? Deuter how? Deuter uh-oh. You've got you to gotta know. Satan doesn't schedule appointments with you for these tests, okay? It just happens point blank. But Jesus is there to help us. His spirit is with us. He's taken the same test we take, so he understands. And he gives us the answers. The answers. The same answers he had. That's how he helps us. He suffered when he was tempted, so that he can help us when we're tempted. That's what I wanted to tell you today.